0: Hi, welcome to me, Toku, and everyone we know. I'm Quincy. And I'm Kyle. And we're here to talk
1: about tokusatsu. Kyle, what is tokusatsu? Well, if you want the literal nerdy Wikipedia definition, it's just a Japanese word meaning special photography. It's basically science fiction and fantasy films and television shows. You've seen it at some point everything from Power Rangers to Godzilla to whatever.
0: Now, most people in America that hear the word Toku either think Godzilla and Kaiju films or they think of Power Rangers. And a lot of people use the word Sentai as kind of like interchangeable, but here's why that's wrong. Sentai is a word for the specific Power Rangers franchise in Japan. Sentai means army. It so technically exactly means special task force. Special task force. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, that's why we use the word toku, which is a shortening of tokusatsu uh, for this show. And we're going to endeavor to just talk about some episodes
1: of our favorite and not-so-favorite tokusatsu shows. Yeah. So we'll be doing everything from Azekaiser to Zerum. Yes. Um, we were graciously uh, gifted through uh, Quincy's various uh, review channels... Uh, lots of Blu-rays from Mill Creek Entertainment. Um. Yeah, so Mill Creek Entertainment has partnered
0: with Suburaya, uh, which is the studio that makes Ultraman. So we have... Basically, we decided to start this podcast because I have a giant pile of review copies of Ultraman movies and uh, shows, and we're going to start by working our way through that. Um, I believe Toei is also releasing random episodes of their shows on YouTube, we're going to do that. And then uh, there's a couple of movies and other DVDs gathering dust on our shelves that we are just wanting to have an excuse to watch again and talk about with each other.
1: Just so many things. So yeah, we're going to be into Zebra Man, we'll be into Skull Soldier, we'll be into Zerum and Lady Battle Cop, but also stuff you've heard of yeah and stuff that you can actually watch. So
0: again, um, special shout out for this episode. We're going to be talking about Ultra Seven, which is the third in the Ultraman series, uh, and maybe the best. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. But uh special thanks to Mill Creek. They've put out a steelbook of the Ultra series uh, and they have a, they're up to like the fourth or fifth at the point of this recording and there's plans to release more um so basically the best thing about these discs is um that they come with really good information and episode guides in the package as well as just a really pretty package uh and each guide has a key kaiju for the season of the show uh so we kind of chose the episodes we're going to talk about this week based on who is in the key kaiju guide from the book, as well as just some of our favorite aliens from the series. And uh, we're only going to talk about three episodes today, but we'll probably wind up referencing and talking about Ultra 7 a lot more
1: during this uh, yeah. podcast. Um, especially, we're going to loop around to things like the Forbidden episode and other things of that nature later on. Um, so yeah, let's uh, get started, into with uh, Ultra, Man, Ultra 7 Who is Ultra 7? So, Ultra
0: 7 is an ultra, which, uh, if memory serves, ultras are these alien uh, peacekeepers that keep coming to Earth to help things. They're Green Lanterns, basically. Yeah, they're basically... They're they're, Yeah. Yeah. So, the first Ultraman, um, which is the first of the... Ultra Q is the first show, and that's more like X-Files. With Kaiju. With Kaiju. And then Ultraman is the second series, and that's the one where we start meeting these
1: uh, light warriors. Yeah. Giants from the Land of Light. Nebula yeah. M78 or something like that, I don't remember. That might be a Godzilla thing. I don't know how to think about it.
0: And uh, the first concept is that... These light warriors bond with a human on Earth. Because but, they fuck up and kill them. Yeah, accident. because they accidentally kill them. And and there's some really fascinating concepts we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm super excited to talk about Ultraman Ace and how they handle uh, the bonding in that that series specifically. Um, uh, Ultraman Orb is another dear favorite of mine. We're going to talk about bonding in that and, uh, and Ultra 7 is kind of a little different. Even though it's the third in the series, it's already varying off of the theme. Ultra 7 is not an alien that mixes with a human. He's just a straight alien that adopts a human's name and form and joins a special, uh, earth protection uh, organization.
1: And doesn't think come with a name until he's directly asked, so what is your name? Uh... Dan. Yeah, Dan is, is what humans Earth. humans it's a, use. It's, so, it's like Buck Bonds John Big Boutte, John Smallberries, John Little John, etc. I'm Dan. Dan is a human name from Earth. So this show is all about the... Um, so the uh, Ultra Guard, the Terrestrial Defense Force?
0: Yeah, so it's all about... This show is all about the Terrestrial Defense Force which is a global military unit designed to
1: protect the Earth from aliens. There's always a new global military unit designed to protect the Earth from aliens in every series, even though there's theoretically continuity from one to the other. But, like, no one ever talks about the Science Patrol ever again. No one's going to talk about the Ultra Guard ever again. It's going to be, like, monster attack team in a few years. It's going to be something else when we get to the Australian series. It's zero continuity. But all the Ultramen keep showing up. The aliens keep showing up. And, And the general concept of here are some
0: Earthlings who are trying to work with this alien to keep the planet safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, just the concept of giant helmets (laughs) tends to stick around for quite some time in the Ultraman series. Either
1: motorcycle helmets, scooter helmets, or I think in this case they are just like jet fighter helmets.
0: Yeah, they're jet
1: fighter helmets with
0: absurd visors that cover their entire face (laughs) and also a a thing that i really love about early ultraman episodes and this sticks around to some of the modern is the idea that these uh humans simply have a handgun and they're going to kill a 30 foot monster Mm -hmm. with a handgun
1: yes and attempt
0: to in every episode
1: (laughs) in vain yeah it's just like you fix the elevator, I'll stand here and fight the monster, and just draws this tiny little ray pistol. <laughs> so, the first episode
0: we're going to talk about of Ultra 7 is uh, episode 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was originally released in the time that this was released. We can cut. It's like 67 or 68, yeah. I think. And it's called uh, The Invisible Challenger. And it was actually directed by Hajime Tsuburaya, who is the. Uh, special effects guy who invented all of the stuff that makes he's pretty much the father of Togusatsu he's not the first but he's kind of perfected a lot of the techniques
1: he worked at Toho in the 50s on Godzilla a lot and kind of split off to do his own thing by the 60s
0: so he's really mastered some of the techniques of how to use water and miniatures to uh, give the sense of of size And uh, there's some really cool ones. So, Kyle, what is the
1: plot of the first episode of Ultra 7? I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You've got an invisible spaceship that is kidnapping just random humans from around the world and trying to hold them hostage. But he only manages to kidnap like five people. Yeah, and then uh, the alien
0: who is known as Alien Cool in all of the show's literature. I don't think they... Did they call him that on screen?
1: Yeah, once. He identifies himself as Alien Cool. Okay, because he is a like a reverse crawdad. Yeah, because this is a, a show on for. Top.
0: This is supposed to be a show for children, so they're like, "Hey, kids, here's an alien. That is cool. <laughs> Please buy the toys." But uh, he basically demands that the Earth surrender to these aliens, or he will kill these five people and what's amazing is that because this is a a global defense force they say yes sorry just kill
1: them all it's a great ethics lesson (laughs) um so yeah the uh invisible alien kidnaps like a postal worker an athlete a jazz musician i think they say at some point and a nurse yeah and and, it's just like random
0: schmoes um but Dan Moriboshi, uh, also known as Ultra 7, is not cool with even one life dying, so he uh, finds the secret spaceship using science, uh, which
1: is a common theme in yeah. Ultra 7. Is In this case, to make a invisible invisible, they make a missile that is a giant can of spray paint. Uh, so they paint, paint the red. ship,
0: <laughs> and once they find it, Dan goes inside and cuts
1: the living shit out of Alien Cool. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about how this is a show for children? Dan Morbo, auto 7, cuts the alien's head off and a bunch of goop comes out.
0: Yes, they actually made the puppet for Alien Cool have guts inside of it and they chop it in half and you see Alien Viscera. So each <laughs> Ultra has like key weapons and we're going to talk about how almost every tokusatsu show has like the key moves that show up over and over again. Uh, One of Ultra 7's signature weapons is his mohawk detaches from his helmet, and he throws it like a blade, and it
1: will cut monsters in half. It's called the Eye Slugger for some reason. Yes, because... Uh, It's nothing to do with his eyes, and it is a knife and not a slugger, but, you know, it sounds cool.
0: Yeah, and (laughs) it is cool because it cuts a motherfucker in half. Uh, So, basically we would recommend you watch this episode because it's a good introduction um the theme song of ultra seven is also really good at just saying he's a guy the the translation of the japanese is in essence he's a guy his name is ultra seven he's from a distant star and he's gonna kick alien ass he's
1: going to it's specifically says Fight the giant fire-breathing monster with an ultra beam. Yeah. And then that is what happens in each episode. Yeah, it's exactly what it says on the tin. The music is a military-esque march with a children's choir singing, which is an unusual choice. Yeah, and what's really great
0: about the series is they do variations on a theme. Throughout yeah. the, the season,
1: the song comes back with as a different genre. Mm-hmm. Like there's some swingin' jazz in the, in the Ultra Guard Goes West we watched later.
0: Yeah, so the next episodes we watched are the two-parter Ultra Guard Goes West Part 1 and 2. Uh, and the reason why we picked this is because it has an iconic villain that shows back later and is a fan favorite. King Joe. Now, Kyle, do
1: you know why the alien is called King Joe? That I do not know. I just know that he is a giant robot made of smaller spaceships and looks really cool when they put him together. So this is why y'all need to get
0: the um, Steelbook set, because this is a really good tidbit in there. Oh. It's down here. So, King Joe was named after Tetsuo Kinjo, the head writer of the series. So it's a writer's room joke that King Joe the unstoppable robot is just the head writer of the series. So, one King Joe stick. Yeah, he is the he's he's a robot with a donk uh, and he's he's a robot Another thing I love about Tokusatsu in general is, here's a motherfucker that's made out of a lot of little motherfuckers. Yeah, he's <laughs> It's a... like five robots that do their own thing, and then they form into one really big robot.
1: <laughs> yeah, so King Joe, first of all, the story arc for that, for that two-parter is great because it is a science fiction dilemma. The reason aliens are attacking Earth in that one is because humans fucked up first contact. Yes, humans showed up to King Joe's
0: planet and scared the aliens. So now they are kidnapping the the crew that made first contact. So they have a bargaining chip to keep Earth from attacking them. Yeah. Uh, so while the defense force is trying to figure out uh, interplanetary relationships... Uh, the aliens send a giant robot to destroy the lab, and Ultra-7 shows up to defeat them. And gets his butt kicked. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what's really good about this episode, is it can become very boring, especially as a child who was raised on Power Rangers. The Rangers are going to win no matter what. Mm -hmm. And, And because these shows are built on formula... And because they're also built to be toyetic and to sell merchandise, it's easy to become very jaded uh, and cynical when watching tokusatsu. But what makes it delightful is episodes like this where Ultra 7 actually loses the first fight and you actually can believe, oh no, they really are screwed because King Joe is made out of impenetrable metal and even uh, the finishing move, the um i the eye slugger and the, the ultra beam yeah the eye slugger and the ultra beam which historically have killed every single alien up to this point in the series immediately don't work and iron joe uh straddles <laughs> ultra seven and just just
1: wails on yeah him. he he just, gets in the perch and just wallops him good <laughs> just bronco busts him it's, yeah it's wild um and they have to. They attempt to solve the King Joe issue through diplomacy. Later, Ultra Seven attempts to mediate, and if it, it it seems to work. Mm-hmm. But the military industrial complex on the alien side is moving too quickly, basically for diplomacy to happen. Yeah. So so things get mixed up, and
0: they decide actually we're just going to invade anyway. So then Ultra Seven saves the day. Fortunately, the support team, the scientists. Are actually discovered that they have a new special weapon. Um, It
1: is a made-up... A made-up element called Riton-30, or whatever, R-30. And it will destroy King Joe's. And it comes back later.
0: Uh, So they make a single rocket made out of this stuff, and the uh, defense force has to be able to shoot King Joe at the right moment. And
1: the effect for King Joe blowing up is amazing it is a better explosion than most giant monsters get in these shows they just stuff the costume of roman candles and like just sparklers go off and then part of them flies off and explodes and more sparklers and unlike most giant you know tokusatsu giant monster stuff where they cut away from the suit and then put explosives there or they blow the suit up there's just a pile of rubble left where king joe was yeah they like, set the suit king on, on fire button. in the studio <laughs> It's Um, great. Other great stuff, the opening fight with King Joe, the whole transformation sequence where Ultra 7 is running, like, Dan runs into the background of a shot, and then they cut away where he pulls out his transformation thing is good. The bit where so much of the King Joe fight is, like, reflected in the reflecting pool of the lab, and, like... There's this big punch, and they just cut to the reflection, and they have like a vibrator set up at the water to make ripples go across it. Yeah, it's it's got it's some
0: really good. Wild. Also, early in part one, you see a reflection in a character's aviators, and they have screen matted and cut the video to fit in his yeah. uh, sunglasses. I'm just like this fire while he's looking at it. It's-
1: It's a wildly well-produced episode.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, One thing that really sticks in my craw, though, is this idea that Dan Moriboshi is an alien who has joined a military organization, but conveniently disappears every time he's actually supposed
1: to be serving in combat to become Ultra 7. It's, It's the Clark Kent Superman situation, except Clark Kent is a reporter for the Daily Planet. He has an excuse for not being exactly where Superman is because he's out doing reporter stuff. But, like, Dan warboshi is supposed to be with the rest of his team where the alien is there. And no one knows he's Ultra 7. So when he runs away, technically he's deserting. <laughs> but, but someone... Kyle, don't you think someone has
0: to know that he's Ultra 7? I would... I don't know if they ever actually make it clear. Yeah, so, yeah. like, does it go all the way to the top? And is it a case where... Uh, the Commander knows he's Ultra 7, but doesn't feel like filling out the paperwork for Command. Or is it a case where he really doesn't know that he's Ultra 7 at all?
1: I, I do not know. I mean, Dan Morboshi cannot have any form of ID or anything because he doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. He has no birth date. He's just...
0: He's he's strictly created. Mm-hmm. Now, Ann Uri, the, the one girl on the team definitely doesn't know right. Dan is an alien. Because there's and, a
1: lot of, hey, where were you?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's supposed to be the very lowest lane Clark mm-hmm. Kent. It's it's impossible to ignore that this movie from the this show from the seventies hasn't had a little bit of Western influence with oh, that. Yeah, definitely. But um his other teammates picked him up when they discovered he was an alien. So like yeah.
1: Amagi and Soga know he's... They at least know he's heavier than their car. Yeah, yeah, that he's, <laughs> he's not, not a human. one of my favorite sight gags in there. So, like,
0: how can... He still weighs <laughs> as
1: much as an 80-foot-tall giant yeah. man. <laughs> so
0: now the question is, does Captain Kiriyama actually know and he's keeping it a secret? Does ha- Captain Kiriyama have to keep filling out paperwork? <laughs> does he get a special, like, dispensation from higher up in command that lets him... You know, have an alien working for him. What's the deal? And it's not satisfactorily explained in the episodes we've watched, at least.
1: Now, one of the reasons I love Ultra 7 is, as a 90s kid, this was one of the two Ultraman shows I watched growing up. Yes, this was on TNT. It ran on Monster Vision after the movies, uh, sometimes intermittently. They would alternate between Ultra 7 and uh, the Logan's Run TV series. Um, After Joe Bob Briggs was off the air... And, uh, also, man, fuck Joe Bob Briggs. Anyway. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So, I would watch this, like, 2 a.m. on a Sunday. And it didn't make any more sense at 2 a.m. on a Sunday (laughs) than it did just now. Um, wild stuff. I forgot where I was going with that. But, yeah, this was, like, just one of those weird things you'd find flipping channels. Like, oh, Ultra, Ultra 7. It looks like Godzilla. Huh.
0: I think, so a key to all tokusatsu shows in this sort of superhero genre is the transformation sequence. Mm -hmm. Um, The best thing about Ultra 7 is his transformation sequence is just him putting on sunglasses.
1: Sunglasses that are shaped like his costume's eyes. He puts the eyes of the costume on his face, and then the rest of the costume goes whoop in (laughs) a video effect. And just shows up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And all of a sudden, he's 30 feet tall. Not always, though. Not always. He also... Works as a regular-sized dude. That's
0: right, because when he kills Ultra Cool, he is small enough to get into the spaceship. Yeah.
1: So that's one of the things they don't do a lot of in the Ultra shows. One, they don't usually show them growing on camera, which they do in Ultra 7 a lot. They'll do that quick little matte effect where they just you know, have the film get a zoom out. Usually, to show Ultraman growing, they just show an explosion and then a quick zoom in on a still shot of Ultraman so it looks like he's getting bigger. In seven they actually are running like doing an animated shot, which is interesting. Very similar to Inframan actually. Yeah that we yeah. watched recently, which we'll get to in another episode. Um so
0: how would you rank or how would you grade Ultra Seven in terms of what it does as a tokusatsu show? What are the key elements and how does Ultra Seven score on those elements?
1: So I mean, the key element to a tokusatsu show in general is just the effects. And I think the effects for 1960-whatever when this came out, 1970, are extremely good. Oh, they are masterful. On a TV budget especially, the stuff they're doing is just a phenomenal work. Yeah, it's A-plus material. Um, In terms of, like, suit design, Ultra 7s, costume... Is a cool design, but the actual construction is kind of a clunker. Yeah, you
0: can see the zipper very clearly. It
1: fits better than the original Ultraman costume does.
0: Yes, it is not baggy, but it is not like really sleek and cool either.
1: Yeah. And the mask still looks very cheap. Yeah, well, they still have the eye holes. Yeah. Which is a, a common... I think the eye holes stick around until Ultraman powered. Where they're still there, but they put eyeliner around it so you can't see them. Yeah. Uh,
0: but you can definitely tell they just punched, like a Ben Cooper mask, they yeah. punched the eye holes out <laughs> for the actor to see. It's not as bad as the original Common Rider costume. We'll get to that later. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, that's one's rough.
0: <laughs> so I would say the costume's like a C, mm-hmm. uh, but the effects are like an A. Now, how about the theme song? We have to talk about
1: the, the bangers of, of theme songs for these shows. Yeah. What we're going to see as we go through these is just the evolution of what Children's television theme songs sound like in Japan. Yeah, <laughs> where you start with these big brass band marches and children's choirs. Like it's, we heard that in Ultra Seven. The same thing's in Ultraman. You know, it's our hero, Ultraman. Uh, if you ever watched Gigantor, yeah, <laughs> the Gigantor theme. Yeah. Um, um, if you hit up, if you see Charge Man Ken on uh, Retro Crush, don't watch it. By the way, it's terrible. But that music is the same caliber yeah um i think the incidental music in R seven is better than the theme song to be quite honest yeah
0: um but but to be fair the incidental music is the theme song just in different genres it's a better better. arrangement right so i would say the theme song is also like a c plus it's not really doing much for me um and the transformation again is not as good as later and even earlier Ultraman transformations are. So I would say, I don't know what would you get. What would you
1: grade the transformation in Ultra Seven as? I like it a lot. I like the video effect that they do in some episodes. Sometimes they just cut away from him. He'll he'll do the pose and they'll just cut and he'll show up somewhere else. But when they actually show the, the little dissolved effect, I quite like it. Um, it's one of my favorites. I like the idea of the transformation iron that goes on the body instead of being just like a thing he waves around. I yeah, I to suck around more. That's the other thing is that it um, all of the ultras have different ways of turning into ultras, which I thought was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, the sunglasses is a great deal. So, what grade would you give that? Oh man, it's definitely a, it's a solid um, something. <laughs> it's it's good. <laughs> yeah, I'd say B plus. B plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I like, in terms of superpowers for Ultra 7, I love that, that eye slugger that, again, it's a part of the costume that comes out and he fights people with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. The costume is a weapon itself, which is very good. Um, so, yeah, I would say all in all, this show's a solid... Uh, this is where I'm not writing these down and doing math. It's right. an A minus, B plus kind of yeah. show. If you've never watched it, you owe yourself to uh, check it out if you want to get into Tokusatsu, which I assume, if you're listening to this, you probably have some interest (laughs) in this genre.
1: Yeah. I mean, any Ultraman series specifically can be someone's first Ultraman series, Mm -hmm. but I think this is a really good introduction to the formula. I think Ultra 7 also has some of the better monster Mm -hmm.
0: suits, the monster designs, because not only do we have King Joe, the thick, indestructible robot... And, um, dinosaur a, tank. We have dino tank, which is literally it's a tank on the bottom, a dinosaur on the top, which is the most like <laughs> axe cop you ask a child, what do you think a good monster would be? And they'd say, dino tank. It also has giant gorilla aliens in an episode mm-hmm. <laughs> that are very, very good. And, uh, also in uh, Ultra 7, uh, Dan has a packet. Of what are termed as capsule yeah, monsters, they're good kaiju, which are nice kaiju that he
1: throws like Pokemon to fight the bad kaiju. I think we only the ones we watched when we saw Wyndham. Wyndham is a pretty solid design, though. Yeah,
0: Wyndham is a robot anthropomorphic bird with uh, a mohawk. With a mohawk, <laughs> and he's very good. Uh, we also get the first appearance of Ella King, who we will come back and talk to later talk about later in the show and also pandan which is not the smartest design but the two-headed alien pandan uh, debuts in ultra seven
1: two um so that's ultra seven it's a it's where i started watching tokusatsu outside of like godzilla movies i pretty much went from i had a tape of godzilla versus megalon i had a tape of terror of mechagodzilla and i found this on tnt I was like oh now I'm obsessed.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's something... As someone who did not grow up with Ultra 7, uh, it is definitely all of the stuff I liked about the Americanized tokusatsus of the 90s, Power Rangers, Big Bad Beetleborns, VR Troopers, but actually cool. We're going to have to come back and do Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters of Beverly Hills, aren't we? We are. And uh, I believe that uh, Beetle... Big Bad Beetleborgs is unjustly maligned in this fandom, so we're going to have to watch, and and I'm going to be
1: uh, defending that series, too. We're going to have to do it. We're going to... Oh, man, we'll talk about this later. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to wrap us up here for right now and just say um, thanks for listening to this uh, nonsense. We might establish a structure as we go on, but right now we were just wanting to record something.
0: Yeah, so um, take care,
1: uh, everybody. And be kind. Thanks for listening to Me and Toku and Everyone We Know. Our show comes out twice a month at tokuweknow.cast.rocks. And if I've built this correctly, you can also find us on Google, iTunes, and anywhere else that pods are cast. Our intro music is Friendship Blast OK by Ryan Boyd. Make sure to check out Ryan and Quincy's other show, Rank and Vile, at RankAndVile.Podbean.com. It's a spooky show about scary movies. And we'll see you in two weeks.